Have your Bibles tonight. If you have your Bibles tonight, Ephesians, I mean, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. We're going to look tonight at the wisest man that ever lived. And I want you to see some of the things that uh, he, has, he has spoken that are very true. Um, but you'll also notice, as you look in chapter 5, uh, we're going to go through, we're going to kind of highlight the chapter. Notice Roman numeral 1 in the outline. We must be careful making vows or promises to the Lord. <laughs> now, let me explain this to you. So what happens is, uh, someone says, Lord, if you'll give me a raise, I promise you I'll go to church. Or, Lord, if you'll give me a raise, I promise you I'll give you 10% of it. Uh, but then your car breaks down and you say, well, Lord, I don't have 10% left, so I just can't do that. I want you to notice, he says, or if you'll heal somebody that uh, you'll help my child to get well, I'll, I'll go to church or I'll whatever. Those are vows. You'll notice, if you would, A in the outline, it is a serious matter to the Lord to make a vow. He takes us at our word. Notice with me, if you would, in verse number 4. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. For he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Notice, if you would, see in the outline, vows are binding to the Lord. They are promises to him. So when you and I, a vow is, Lord, I'll do this. I promise you I'll do this. And then we back out of it. It is very important that you and I realize that there's a God in heaven, and he's listening, and he cares about us. So notice with me, if you would, uh, in verse number, verse number 5, better it is it that thou shouldest not vow then thou shouldst vow and not pay. Now, I think everybody at some point in time has said, Lord, I'll do this if you'll just help me. Lord, if you'll, and so we make sort of a deal with God and there's a vow. Now, does anybody remember probably the most catastrophic vow in Scripture? Somebody remember it? I'll give you the man's name right here, Travis. Jephthah. Jephthah. Okay, all right. Well, that's pretty good. Jephthah said, Lord, uh, if you will, in the Old Testament, Judges chapter 11, he said, Lord, if you give me victory over the Ammonites, he said, I'll give you the first thing that I'll sacrifice to you, the first thing that comes out of my house's door. That was a very foolish vow. And his daughter came out to welcome him, home from the victory. And he offered her to the Lord. The Lord doesn't want that. But he said, I made a vow. i got to keep my word. And she said, I know, Dad. Uh, just go ahead and offer me up. And, and yet, how horrible a promise, a vow that was. So it gives you the idea that, look, it's better for you not to make a vow than to make a vow and break it. Yet, the Lord, there are some things that we should never promise. And Jephthah made one of those promises. The Lord doesn't want our children 
and sacrifice. He gave them to us to train for him and for his glory, not to sacrifice. It's one of the things that he so hated about the Canaanites and the Amorites and the Hittites. They would get into a bad spot and offer their children to their gods in sacrifice. And the Lord was horrified with that. So you'll notice that it is possible to make very foolish vows when we're under stress and pressure for the Lord to work in our behalf. Notice, if you would, D in the outline. Dreams are fulfilled by hard work. We should be careful of dreaming and making promises regarding our dreams. Look at verse 7. For in the multitude of dreams and many words, there are also divers vanities or various uh, vanities, but fear thou God. So he says, look, when you and I have dreams, he's, he's trying to get them to understand. You, you don't dream about something and say, Lord, I really would like to have that, and if you'll do this, I'll do that. And so the idea is that we are very careful because when you dream about things, you work hard. The Lord says, I'll help you with it. But we have to be careful the way we dream about things. Every dream that we make, now I want you to listen to this. Every dream that you make, Lord, I, I dream of, of going on vacation to whatever, to Fiji. That was the most beautiful place I've ever seen in my life. We went on a mission trip there and built a Bible college. Still going today. And I saw the water. It was the most beautiful water I've ever seen. Looked down into the, into the ocean, and you could see 60, 70, 80 feet down, all colors of fish swimming, looked like an aquarium. It was the most beautiful place that I'd ever seen for a vacation spot. Lord, if you'd let me go to Fiji, you know, I, I, I just dream about going to Fiji. I, Lord, it, it, I dream about having that car. Lord, I, I dream about having that job. Look, folks, every dream, you want to say, Lord, I dream about this, but not my will. Yours be done. Because you might dream about something that's bad for you, that ends up being very difficult for you. It is important that you and I submit our dreams to the Lord, our goals, our, our wants, and our wishes. And, and so the, the, the wisest man to ever live said, you know, it's, it's really important that you, that you don't just dream and say, I, I want this thing. But he said, it's by hard work that we, God blesses us, our dreams. Now notice, if you would, in, in Roman numeral 2 in the outline, <clears throat> And this it sort of changes scope now from, from uh, promises and dreams to wealth. What you notice, there are blessings and burdens that accompany wealth. Notice, if you would, in verse number 9, verse number 10. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. And this is also vanity. So here, Solomon is, is beginning to make some statements about wealth. And if you and I will back up and take a look at some of these statements, they're very accurate. But they discourage him because he wants it to be different. He wants to take his wealth with him when he dies. He wants to have all the joy that wealth ought to bring. And at the very end of the chapter, he says, I realize now 
that enjoying what God gives to us and having the joy of that is the gift of God. And so we can all take note of that. It is God's gift to you and I that we have uh, the, the blessings of God and can enjoy them. Blessings are not just for you and I to, to have and to enjoy. Many times the blessings for our people and our family. They're for us to give to somebody else to help someone with. Uh, a, a great crop uh, from a farmer is not just for him to tear down his barns and build bigger. How can I be a blessing to other people? Um, uh, there was a, a very famous American that, that made a, a great harvest one year in 1700s, and his manager said, look, we everybody else has had a hard year, and look at all the crops we've got. It's time to sell and make the money. And he said, no, it's time to give and be a blessing. So it's important for us to realize that the blessings of God are not just always for our benefit. Now, notice if you would, A in the outline, silver and gold, or wealth, cannot satisfy man's heart. And folks, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's not going to satisfy your heart. Not when a child is sick. Not whenever you get some of those treasures that you wanted and they, your heart's empty. I want you to notice, take your Bible and turn me, if you would, to chapter 5 and look me, if you would, in, in verse number 19. I want you to notice this verse. Every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth and hath given him power to eat thereof and to take his portion and to rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. So it's not just that uh, you and I, I want this this wealth. I want this money. I, I want so much in the bank. I want so much in retirement. The Lord is saying, look, you're not going to enjoy it unless I give you the gift of joy to enjoy it. So that's why, Lord, is this what you want me to have, this wealth? Lord, is this job what you want me to have? It's the one thing that Solomon did not do. Lord, do you want me to have all this silver? Do you want me to have all this gold? Lord, not my will, but yours be done. What happened, and you'll notice if you would in the outline, B, the more we possess, the more labor it takes to keep our possessions. The concern over keeping your wealth can keep you from sleeping. Solomon felt this was also vanity. Look at verse 11. Verse number, number 12, I'm sorry. Though a sinner do an evil a hundred times and his days be prolonged, Yet surely I know that it should be well with them that fear God, which fear before him. Now watch. But it shall not be well with the wicked. Neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not God. So it's, it's like he said, look, you know, I, I see that, that I have things, but if I don't fear the Lord, those things don't last. Notice, if you would. In, in verse number, uh, look with me if you would, in verse number, uh, uh, verse number nine, I believe it is. Uh, uh, all this that have I seen 
and applied my heart into every work that is done under the earth. There is a time wherein one man ruleth over another to his hurt. And you'll notice if he says in verse number, verse number, I'm looking for a verse here. I'm sorry. I'm trying to find um, uh, in, in the reference, verse number 13. Um, verse number 12. Though a sinner do an evil a hundred times and his days be prolonged, Yet surely I know that it should be well with them that fear the Lord. So in other words, if someone has, uh, they, they do the wrong thing, he says, uh, a bunch of times, he said, the one that's going to have the blessing of the Lord it, it is the one that fears the Lord. It says, Lord, I want to do your will. I, I want to respect you. And, and you'll notice, if you would, in verse number 15, then I commended mirth because a man hath no better thing under the sun than to eat and to drink and to be merry. For that shall abide with him of his labor the days of his life, which God giveth him under the sun. So the idea is, look, you know, the Lord's going to bless you and I, but we have to be careful and work hard and labor to keep up with it. And yet the Lord is the one that blesses you to enjoy your labor. And we have to keep that in mind. All that we get, all that we gain, Solomon said, it, it, it's difficult because you've got evils that take things away. Uh, you've got things, you get, you get a beautiful house and it needs painting. You, you got a nice car and it, it gets dinged. It gets, it, it gets a wreck. It just seems like the more that we have, the more trouble it is to take care of it. But if you fear the Lord and say, Lord, this is yours, it's not mine, it doesn't keep you up at night worrying about is my possession going to stay with me? Am I going to hang on to it? You'll notice, if you would, uh, D in the outline, when evil comes, then wealth is lost. Then there is nothing. This is also an evil that man faces. He says, look, uh, notice he says in verse 14, there is a vanity which is done upon the earth, that there be just men unto whom it happens according to the work of the wicked. Again, there be wicked men to whom it happens according to the work of the righteous. I said, this is vanity. So he looks at it and says, look, I see the same things happening to the good and to the bad. Why? Because you and I have to understand that sometimes God blesses the wicked to draw them to himself. And sometimes God allows difficulties in our lives to strengthen us. God has a plan and all of our lives are in his hand. Solomon said, this isn't fair. I don't think it's right. And yet he's so miserable. His wisdom caused him to question God, to question what God did, to question why God did it. And you and I can't go there. We have to learn to say, Lord, uh, this wealth that you've given me is yours. How do you want me to spend it? Lord, how do you want me to have this job? Uh, how do you want me to use this job? Lord, if you promote me, wonderful. But we leave the choices with the Lord. If we don't do that, we wrap our hands around it. Lord, this is mine. Lord, I've worked for this. And when it's taken away, we feel empty. When we lose it, we feel empty. I was speaking to someone the other day, and they got a, they got a note from their HOA that said, you've got a bad spot in your yard. It looks terrible. You need to fix it. 
And he said, so I went out there and I, I, I put grass down and I tilled it up and uh, watered it and it came up and died. They sent me another letter. And so we're going to start finding you every day $10 if you don't fix it. And he said, look, I'm trying. I'm trying, but I, I, I don't. So there are times whenever, you know, we've got something, we're really proud of it, but something happens and we say, man, this is a lot of trouble. It's a lot of, it's a lot of difficulty. You know why? That I'm not going to go buy one of those Ferraris that goes up and down in front of our property here ever so often, about 70, 80 miles an hour. You'll see them right out here in the curve, hit it, and it goes up that hill, and just that whine, that high whine. And you know why I'm never going to have a Ferrari? Number one, I can't afford it, okay? But number two, but number two, I wouldn't leave it any place but the garage. Can you imagine some girl just got her driver's license? She's driving along. Today, I was driving the church vehicle, uh, running an errand, and, and I'm driving. I'm looking behind me. I don't want to get the church vehicle tore up. So I'm looking. I pulled over, and I look behind me. I see this truck coming right up. I said, Lord, please stop him. You know, you lose a lot of grief and agony if you've got something real nice, and you're too proud of it, and you want to take good care of it. Don't get me wrong. We're supposed to love and take care of the things that we have like this. Lord, this is not mine. This is yours. One day, we just built a house in Leesburg. My wife said the driveways, not Janet, Susan, before she passed away. She said the driveway's too narrow. And I said, honey, it's, it's 20 feet wide. And she said, I'm just telling you, it's too narrow. And she didn't have good eyesight. She was a diabetic eyes, diabetic retinopathy. And so one day I had my truck parked in the driveway and she came in and she was crying. I said, what's wrong? She said, I, I ran into your truck. I told you the driveway was too narrow. At that point in time, I had to pick up the phone and call the insurance agent who's a member of our church. Now that's not a fun phone call. Hey, I just want you to know I wrecked both vehicles. You did. Yeah. In the driveway. You what? Uh, he started laughing, and he said, I said, I'm glad you're laughing. I'm not laughing. i got to take both vehicles to the shop to get them fixed. At that point in time, I just wanted a bicycle. That's all I wanted because it was so much trouble to take two vehicles to the shop, one at a time, pay the deductible. And so uh, I, don't, I don't know if you, you heard it or not, but the, the next time it was Christmas, a present showed up for my wife and I from my wife, and it was a stop sign about like this. It had a red light, a yellow light, and a green light, and it was a laser, and you put it right in front of your garage, and that way when you pull into your garage, it goes yellow, a green, 10 feet, yellow, 5 feet, red, 3 feet. So you always stopped. My, uh, my son and I were sitting in there watching a ball game, in the den, the garage is right up next to that. And all of a sudden, we're sitting there, and bump, the wall moved. I said, he said, Mom's home. I said, oh. And, and so I'm thinking, now i got to go fix the car and the house. You know, so you look at things, and you say, I've got all these things, and they're wonderful. But they are trouble sometimes, keeping up with the things that you have. 
All of them are trouble. And so, you know, what had happened was, how many of you ever put a ball from the ceiling to keep from running into the someplace? How many have ever done that? Anybody ever done that? Well, I put the ball from the ceiling, and it hit the windshield, and when she saw it, she watched it go up and ran into the house. I said, honey, you can't do that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What do you say then? car wasn't that important. You know, you got to take it down and get it fixed up. All I'm trying to say is Solomon said, look, things in life, I want to keep them with me. I want to take care of them. I want them to always stay nice. Look, Lord doesn't always have that in our lives. Palms up. Lord, this is not mine. It's yours. And you can live happily even if something gets damaged even if something doesn't last the way you want it. Notice if, with, if you would. Notice E in the outline. Uh, when evil comes, D, when wealth is lost, we can always feel that way. Um, notice E, we are all born and die the same way. We bring nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out. And he says this, what profit is there? Notice with you would, what profit is there? Into this world, we can take nothing out. What profit is there in, in a life like this? On top of that, life comes with sorrow and sickness. This is all disappointing to Solomon. Look, me if you would, in verse number 15. As he came forth of his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came, and shall take nothing of his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. And Solomon is upset because he wants to take something with him. And he's realizing there's no U-Hauls behind the hearse. You take nothing with you when you die. Notice with me, if you would, F, Solomon in concludes that God gives wealth and can take it away. But God can give joy and labor and blessing. God can give you and I joy whenever we're out working hard, and he can give you joy in his blessings. That's God's gift to man. Look back over, if you would. Notice, if you would, in verse number 19. We read it before. The very last part of the verse. And to take his portion and to rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. God wants all of us to enjoy his blessings. Do you understand the Bible says in James, every good and perfect gift cometh from the Father? He gives you and I everything that's good. But it can be bad for us if we say, now it's mine. Notice, if you would, in the outline, uh, uh, Roman numeral three, Solomon saw many evils in life. And they truly discouraged him. Notice, A, God gives riches and wealth and all of a man's needs are met, but God doesn't give him the power to enjoy it. Look at chapter six and verse number one. Uh, verse number uh, one. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, and it is common among men. A man to whom God hath given riches and wealth and honor, so that he wanted nothing for his soul of all that he desireth. God's given him the desires of his heart. Yet God giveth him not power to eat thereof, but a stranger eateth it. This is a vanity. It's an evil disease. Remember, 
God is the one that gives you the joy of children, the joy of a marriage, the joy of a job, the joy of a home, the joy of any possession that you and I have. It is not just ours for our benefit. He wants you and I to yield ourselves to Him and to give Him with open palms everything He gives to us. Then we could give it to someone in need if we wanted to. And then we could be a blessing to others. And then God says, now I want you to enjoy it. Notice if you would, be in the outline, Roman numeral three. It is better to see and to have things than to always just want things that you don't have. The Lord said, look, I want you to have things But he says, I don't want you to just keep wanting. And you can see that in Ecclesiastes 6, 8, and 9. But notice C in the outline. There's nothing really new that hasn't already been named. And there are so many things that make man empty. No one knows the future, and it's difficult to accept. Look, if you would, in verses 10, 11, 12. That which hath been named, that which hath been is named already. There's not anything new under the sun. And it is known that it is man. Neither may he contend with him that is mightier than he. Look in verse 11. Seeing there be many things that increase vanity. There's a lot of things that increase by trouble. What is man better? The more things that you have, are you better off? The more things that you have... Uh, are you because you've got a lot of things? Does that make you better off? Not if you don't in, have the gift of God to enjoy it. And He's trying to get us to understand that. Notice at verse twelve: For who knoweth what is good for man in this life, all the days of his vain life, which he spendeth as a shadow? Who knows what's good for us? Well, notice if you would in D in the outline: No one knows what the best thing for man is in this life. Wealth, just enough wealth, or very little wealth? Which one's better? To have not enough wealth and you're struggling all the time, but you have to learn to depend upon the Lord? Or is it to have enough wealth? You really don't have to worry but pray every once in a while. Or have plenty of wealth and you don't need anybody or the Lord? Now, which one's better? Well, it's better to take whatever you have, a lot of wealth, a little wealth, or no wealth, and say, Lord, what I have is is yours. That's what the Lord wants all of us to do. That's the way we have joy. I have visited some of the poorest people on earth. I remember one time being in Africa. A missionary walked me around and said, I want to show you some of the wealthy people in our church. I said, okay. I walked into this little hut, and they had uh, a, a sort of little cloth on the floor, and they were cracking peanuts. Their offering was going to be peanuts. They had a string across their little hut and had a change of clothes on the hut. And they had two bicycles in the hut. I saw one pan in the hut on an earthen stove. And I came out and I said, I thought you said they were wealthy. He said, they are. Didn't you see they have two bicycles? And they have a change of clothes. 
They're wealthy. I said, but they said they were preparing their offering by the peanuts. He said, they are. They have more than enough. And they wanted to give the peanuts to the church. We'll take it out and sell it in the marketplace and put the offering in the church. Help take care of the utility bill. They're being gracious. And so you and I have to learn that what we have is not all for us. And once we learn that, it doesn't matter the amount of wealth we have. We can be happy. And that's what the Lord wants for you. He wants for all of us to enjoy what we have so that if we have a little, if we have not much, or if we have a lot, it's enough. The Lord wants everybody here to feel like you have enough and that you trust Him for whatever you don't have. And folks, tonight, when you become wealthy, when you have more than enough, we don't trust the Lord. We don't get on our knees and plead with the Lord. And Solomon was frustrated because he no longer prayed for wealth. He, the Bible says that he made stones in Jerusalem, silver like stones in Jerusalem. He was, so, he was a billionaire, but he wanted more. He kept taxing the people for more. You know why? I don't have enough. And folks, unless you give your heart to the Lord and your possessions to the Lord and say, Lord, these are not mine, they're yours. Everything you own, you'll never be truly happy because all that we have is really the Lord's. And when we give it to Him, then He can return and say, would you give so-and-so some? Would you give that missionary some? Would you give your neighbor this? Would, and all of a sudden, we develop a heart of generosity, and what we have is not mine. It can be used for the Lord. Solomon never learned that, and he was the wisest man to ever live. So you'll notice, if you would, he did realize some good things. Notice, if you would, in chapter 7, verse 1. A good name is better than precious ointment. Notice, if you would, in the outline, Roman numeral 4. A good name is worth more than any expensive perfume. There are some perfumes that are worth thousands of dollars. Solomon does realize the great value of a great testimony before others. He did get that right. And he said, you know, I've realized that a good name is worth more than a precious ointment. A good name is worth more than something you wear. And people say, wow, I wish I had that. A good name is better than that. And tonight, every one of us in this room, don't stay up at night worrying about what you have. Give it over to the Lord. He'll take care of it. That doesn't mean you and I don't do the things we ought to do. We're not careful with how we spend. We're not careful with how we invest. We're not careful with each paycheck. But, Lord, this is yours. How do you want me to spend it? If we do that, we'll not waste our money. And the Lord says, I'll bless you. I'll give you the gift of joy and enjoying it. Tonight, are you enjoying what God's given to you? If not, do this. Let's bow for a word of prayer. I'm going to ask the pianist to come and play a verse of invitation hymn.
maybe tonight, the Lord's been especially good to you. But you haven't given it back to him. Maybe he's been especially good to you with children. You haven't given them back to him. Maybe he's been especially good to you with a sweet wife or husband. You've not given it back to him. Could I encourage you tonight so that you can enjoy what you have? Give it to the Lord. Lord, this is not mine. This is yours. Help me to use it the way you want me to. And you'll not feel like it's a terrible thing to die and not be able to take it with me. It is a terrible thing not to take your children with you, but it's not your wealth. The streets of heaven are pure gold. The gates of pearl. You don't need money in heaven. Lord Jesus, speak to our hearts tonight. I thank you so much for your goodness to us. I thank you, dear Lord, for your word. Would you bless us, dear Lord, tonight? with the joy and enjoyment of what you've given us. Lord, help us to offer it to you tonight. In your name we pray. Amen.